Welcome to the Live from Lake Balfour podcast. I'm Andy Wasserman. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It's been a long while since we've done a podcast episode. We've been busy up here at camp, but we are back here for a Jacob's Cup special episode. Baco yesterday went to Timberlake Camp over three hours away for Jacob's Camp, where 12 camps competed in a massive basketball tournament. Baco put on an incredible performance. They played four games. They made it all the way to the semifinals before bowing out. But it was an incredible day, a huge day for Baco basketball. So we're here with a mom episode. We're going to split this into two parts. First, I'm going to be talking to Danny Silver, the coach of the team, but everything that went on yesterday, what he described as one of the best days in recent Baco basketball history. And then we're going to be talking to three players on the team. Xavier Jules was one of the best players in the tournament yesterday. We're going to be talking to Tucker Press, who played an incredible day of basketball yesterday, and Salty, who is one of the role players on the team and part of the leadership all day long. We'll have all that coming up for you right now. All right, and we are now joined by Danny Silver. Danny, you're fresh off Jacob's Cup yesterday out of camp, what, 18, 19 hours? Something like that. We left camp about 6.30 a.m., got back around 12.30 a.m., so 18 hours so, out of camp. So it's a long day. Obviously, it's a lot of travel, about three and a half hours to Camp Timberlake for Jacob's Cup. It's a tournament that we've been to the last few years of intercamp since 2018, 2019. Baker went to Jacob's and a few years back. This is a big tournament. There's a lot more teams. It sort of goes outside side of the traditional bubble we play in of the Adirondack camps and it's a big test for the players just it feels like a bigger atmosphere you've got a lot of fans there sort of take me through what makes this tournament so unique and ultimately what made this day so special yesterday for Baco well first of all when I saw you this morning we looked at each other and we said we got a podcast because yeah. yesterday was such an awesome day I've been in camp a long time and it's right up there with one of my favorite days I think for the group of 15 that went on that van, the 12 players, myself, Harold Bergner, and Mickey at the wheel, um, it was just such an amazing group experience from start to finish, from the breakfast all the way to the return. And Jacobs is, is it's so unique. It's, it's a chance for Baco to kind of put itself around camps that maybe you've never heard of us or don't know much about us. And for us, in a different environment to kind of show what we're about and to show what our basketball program is about and who and who we are. And each time we go, I always feel like we're playing not nervous, which is weird. Cause I feel like when we play the other camps, the more local camps that we're used to playing, there's always like this like built-in anxiety or this nervousness or this anxiousness. But at Timberlake, it's almost like we're playing with house money because we're almost like America's guests. And every all always head, heads are turning. Who's Baco? And each time, I feel like, regardless of the group that we bring, it's we we're we're loose, we're comfortable, we're quietly confident. And yesterday was no different. I mean, this is my fifth time going to Jacobs Cup. Three times, you know, in recent years. And each time, I feel like we leave there turning heads, being like, "Wow, those guys were good. Those guys were." Those guys were fun to have here. And yesterday, like I said, we left at 6.30 in the morning, got back at 12.30 a.m., and it was just such an awesome day, filled with so many ebbs and flows. It was a, it, it was such an experience. It was a marathon, but it was, it, it was so unique and so amazing. Yeah, and I mean, it almost feels like you're like a 14 seed in the NCAA tournament coming in, and people are kind of like, you don't know exactly who you are, but sort of people start rooting for you. I know that happened in 2019. It happened yesterday, too. I think even though two of our four games were against the host camp, 
I felt like, especially when we beat Timberlake in the quarterfinals, I felt like we had a lot of locals, like a lot of Timberlake people that were kind of backing us that came to check in on our semifinal game. And, you know, it's a testament to our kids, like the behavior, the way we fought, the way we played, um, the way we behaved, the way we conducted ourselves. I thought that we won over a lot of fans. And um, once again, just like in 2019, you know, we at some points I felt like we had so many people behind us. It it was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And the Timber Dome itself, which is the big court. Now there's games on the outer courts too outside, but we're gonna get into this more. So two of the four games that Baco played yesterday, was, three th- three of the four right. were two were against the, the host camp, which were yes. Yeah, so out of all the years that I've been there, we've played indoors, we've played outdoors. The indoor scene is usually feels more like a scene because the because the other camps kind of gravitate to those courts because um, you're in the shade and it's not really in indoors it's more of a open air roof over over a court and a hockey rink and the games we've played in there have always been exciting like the famous Kutcher's game from 2019 when we lost at the buzzer and back in 2008 when we lost in the semis the kindering that was inside there but yesterday was the first time we actually got to play the host camp. Right. And they packed that place in. And it looked like Cameron Indoor. Yeah, and I mean, the fanfare and the camp spirit and the festivities is second to none with uh, Timberlake. They, they do such a professional job. And it really is a great environment to play in. And once again, like I felt like in 2019, I thought the crowd, even though this time it was mostly against us, I thought the crowd helped us. Um, and I've been in this tournament where we wait till, until noon and then we play outside and no one's there watching and it's kind of like a dead scene. And this is m- way more preferable. Just being there with all the, ho- the hoopla, makes, it makes the trip so much more worth it. So two of our four games were in that environment. Now, you mentioned the 2019 game, and that's something that you have to think about. That 2018, 2019, there have been close games where you felt like there was a buzzer beater in 2019. You could go way back in the archives and find out our deep analysis of that. But it feels like year after year, we've been right on the precipice. And in the, the recent generation of these this Baco kind of era, we've been right on the precipice of like really establishing ourselves in 2019. You lose to Kutcher's on a devastating play. And you come into this year, you play Timberlake in the first game. It felt like we have a really good team. And something we were talking about before we started recording is that in the last few years, there's been night games. Obviously, there wasn't 16s this year, but there's been games here. There's been games at other camps. It feels like over the three or four weeks we've been at camp, this team has really gotten to practice together and sort of develop. So you're coming into this already sort of with kind of established, you know, roles for players and sort of, you know, knowing what this team sort of was when you play these other camps. So at this tournament, you get the feeling that all of these other camps, <clears throat> excuse me, have that going for them. They play in a lot of tournaments together. You can tell that they have a system that this is one of many tournaments that they play in. And since 2018, we've kind of had this rhythm with our oldest group where the summer has like a season to it where there's 16s at Echo and then there's a night game at Brand and then there's Jacob's Cup and then there's a night game at Baco. And it becomes like a season-long team. So like you said, roles are established. Practices are had. The group has some chemistry. It's not just like a one-off kind of a few practices into a tournament. So in a tournament like this, having that chemistry is invaluable. And yesterday I felt, especially because we had a night game on Monday, I felt we were ready to go. Um, I felt very comfortable with us being on the same page and 
who I could trust. And, you know, as crazy as an up and down thing as, as, as it was yesterday, I felt like we were as prepared as any team. And I actually think it's kind of like over preparation, especially in a summer camp atmosphere, can kind of work against you. I felt like that was a factor for some of these teams. I felt like our guys on, on the flip side played loose and structured but unstructured in a way that really helped us, especially in the first game against Timberlake where we jumped off to a huge lead. And I told the guys, you know, they're going to be nervous. They're the ones playing in front of the crowd. We have nothing to lose. And we played that way. And we played loose all day long. And it made for, <laughs> it made for some great drama. Yeah, so let's get into the game mm. specifically. You mentioned there are four across the day. First of all, let's talk for a minute about the draw itself and sort of the structure of it because it ends up playing a big role here for how the day played out yesterday for Baco. There are 12 teams in the tournament. Sort of take us through a little bit of cliff notes of what All this right, tournament All right, so well, every time I've been there, it's worked a little bit differently. There's not a standard way that Jacobs Cup does it. Obviously, they, they adjust their format based on how many teams are in right. it. So this year, there was 12. And the way it was set up was a little, was a little unique in that... Um, there were three pools of four, but you only played two pool play games. So your pool was four, but there was one team you didn't play and the two other teams you did play. And that was all the, the luck of the draw. And the way the playoffs was, so the, the after pool play, there was a 16 playoff. And then obviously, that was a quarters, a semis, and a finals. And the way they established the playoff teams was the two pool winners, which you assume are 2-0, and with the best point differential, get the one and two seeds and the bye. The third pool winner would get the three seed. And then four through six was established by record, which most of those teams at that point were one and one, and then point differential. So then you had your six playoff teams. So the, so that's how it worked. And like always in Jacob's Cup, the draw is done right then and there where you pick out of a hat and you're, you get a number, and that is assigned to a draw. And that's important to note. You didn't know coming into this that you were going to be playing the host camp in the first no, game. No, we didn't know until 20 minutes before game time. So the last few years, I remember we talked about this three years ago. The last two years, I've gone into that draw and picked a terrible number. <laughs> so in 2018, we picked, we got there like right before the draw, like 10.30. And at 11 o'clock, we were playing Wani, who were the defending champs. We played tight and terribly we lost by a handful you know five seven points Wani ended up winning it and we probably played them closer than anybody that day and then the next year i draw kutcher sports academy who <laughs> ends up going to the finals and so this year i vowed i wasn't going to draw so i sent harold bergner out there to draw and he was actually the last one to pick so he didn't really pick the number the number two dropped in our lap so we played team number one which was timberlake so our draw was Timberlake and Laconda, and then the fourth team in our pool that we didn't play was Wani. So that kind of set the table for what we had to do before entering the actual games. Right, and then coming into this first game, the, obviously you're playing on the you're playing on the big court, which is this sort of indoor outdoor type of court. You have their whole camp watch and kind of take us through a little bit of this game. Baco jumps out to a big lead. What do you sort of see in this in the first? So game? So before we get to the actual game, I I always felt since I've been there a few times now, the draw you want is either not the first time slot or the first time slot playing Timberlake because the last thing you want is that bus legs and to be flat. So if you play the first time slot on an outdoor court against a team without a crowd, which is what happened with Wani in 2018, you have bus legs and it's hard to get yourself going. 
because the, the atmosphere is kind of weird outside. But if you're going to play the 11 o'clock game, you want to play the host camp. So we, it, it was a little bit of a slow first couple of minutes. But once we got going and get, were able to get some, some stops, Xavier started doing his thing with pushing the ball and getting to the rim. And um, Tucker hit some big shots. And it was kind of coming from every, everywhere, but mainly Zay. Um, and we built up a double-digit lead. I think I think we were only up by a few, and then the last five to seven minutes of the half, we really stretched it out. And I think we were up 27-14 going into half, and Zay probably had 15, 18 points. So that kind of set the tone for what the rest of the day was going to be like. And then the rest of the game, I mean, was was I mean, it was it was, it was crazy. It was like a repeat of 2019, which I'm yeah. sure. So so let's get into that end end game scenario, because right, because as we said, the day is not going to be over if you lose this game. But obviously, based on the way this tournament is structured, it's advantageous. Yes. You you want to win the pool game. So kind of take us through this. The so scenario. so so we so we go into halftime up 27-14, and at that point, I thought we were definitively better. Uh, I there, I didn't see anything from Timberlake that made me think that we were in any trouble. I felt like Zay was the best player on the court by a mile, and I felt like we were just we had a little bit more aggression, and we were playing um, a little less tight than them. And we actually won the first couple of minutes of the second half, but then just like what happened in the night game against Brand on Monday, they started to face guard Zay, and this has become a little bit of an issue. They face guard Zay, and the other guys didn't really get it going. And Zay really didn't do much to let them get it going. And they started to hit some shots. We went cold. We missed two or three layups that could have pushed the lead to like 15, 18. If any of those go in, I don't think the game ever gets close. But then there was a lid on our hoop, and they started hitting shots. Next thing you know, you know, it's a tie game with about you know, three minutes to go. They actually take a lead. Zay hits a three to tie it. And then the back and forth at the end, I think Noodle made one of two from from the foul line. Um, They hit a shot to go up two. And then Grant Siegel hits a three to give us a one-point lead with 12 seconds left, which then what happened from then on was deja vu all over again. So what happens here at the end is that Take, take us through this play. All right, all right. So for loyal podcast listeners. Really and, loyal. And and people that know the recent history of Baco basketball. In 2019, we're playing Kutcher's in this tournament. And Chuck Bokfar hits a three from the left corner to give us a one-point lead with 12 seconds to go. Kutcher's calls timeout. They throw up a crazy prayer. Hits the backboard. We miss a box out. They flip it in at the buzzer in a very bang-bang play. It could have been on time. It could have not been. Counts. We lose. Yesterday, the same exact thing happened on the same exact court for the same exact spots. So Grant hits the three from the same exact spot Chuck hit it from three years ago. We're up one. They call timeout. There's 12 seconds. They go down the court. They miss a three just almost from the same spot they missed it from three years ago. Instead of hitting off the backboard, it rims out, goes right to the right short corner, which is basically the same spot as three years ago. And some kid gets it and throws up a runner, and it goes in. I found it very shortly after I saw a replay. It was good, and we lost at the buzzer in an identical way as what happened three years ago. And 
I couldn't believe it. Like it's crazy. Th- three years ago, I was more upset for the guys. This time, I was just, <laughs> I was just, I was just angry. But I give us credit. Our guys swallowed it pretty quickly, um, and we had to move on because the format gave us a chance to to get back in. And the other difference, it should be noted in 2019, that was the only game Mako ended up playing because it was raining that day. And, and if you were mathematically eliminated, then then they were going to yes. scratch your game. So we knew at least we, we, we had more basketball to play. Right, so you have more basketball to play. And that next game comes later in the day. For reference, everyone at camp... So this game, the court, the game that's on their big court, actually has a live stream feed that's going on. So they're streaming this game, and obviously people are in camp. They're not really watching the game, but you know rumors start to spread out. Someone's watching. They're giving updates on the walkie-talkie. There's sort of rumors flying around camp, and then of course it comes down that they hit a buzzer beater off a rebound. And in camp, everyone just could not believe it. The same reaction. It reminded that you me of those crazy. years. It reminded me of those years where I was a camper, and it was like. We can never win anything. And it was like the same story just told in different order. Like every time was this buzzer beater or that whistle or this injury or something. And it was – I couldn't believe it. I couldn't <laughs> I believe it. I still can't believe it. was crazy. Yeah. I mean we're going to talk about what happened thereafter, but I still think if that buzzer beater doesn't go in, even though we ended up beating Timberlake later in the day, I still think losing that game put us behind the eight ball down the road later on in the day and all and I'm sure we'll get into that yeah. in, in a few minutes but it really I think that loss really hurt our chances to actually win the whole thing right so then we go to the second game you play Lakonda who so, the other team so what happens here is now in order for us to advance we need some things to go our way the easiest scenario would be Wani beating Timberlake and us beating Lakonda and then us and Timberlake being one and one and us having the better point differential. Given they beat you by one point. Given they beat us by one point, and we felt like we could beat Lakonda pretty handily. So that was a scenario we all thought we were going to be playing for. So we watch Wani destroy Lakonda. Then Wani plays Timberlake, and Timberlake beats them. It's a close game. It's about a five-point game. Timberlake looks great. Um, so now we have to go into this game against Lakonda having to win by 24 points. Right. Beating Lakonda by more than Wani beat Lakonda. Sort of. So Wani beat Lakonda by 28, but they lost to Timberlake by 5. So they were a plus 23. Wow. We lost to Timberlake by 1, so we had to win by 24 to get to a plus 23, and by 25 to exceed it. Right. So I've never coached a game with a target score <laughs> like that, but it creates a weird... A weird vibe because we knew we were better than Lakonda, but having to play to win a game by a certain amount is a weird is a weird thing to plan for. So my message to the team was it's like the Elam ending was let's first worry about winning the game, and then I thought because Lakonda was mathematically out, I thought if we jumped on them and built a lead, they would quit, and we would have a chance to push it to as many as we wanted to. So we put in some different game plan stuff and we full court press, which we wouldn't have normally done just to speed up the game to get more points. And we played very unsound basketball. We, we were just like almost going too fast for ourselves. We were just like pressing figuratively and mentally and literally. And we were just pushing the issue too much. And at halftime, it's 16-16 against a team we are clearly better than. So my message at halftime was like, okay, we're, this probably isn't going to work out, but we want to win a game before we go home today. So then we start this flurry 
with these steals and these threes and these layups in the last 10 minutes where it's like we're up 15, we're up 11, we're up 13, we're up nine, we're up 17, we're up 12. We get it to about 17 with about four minutes left. And then we just go on an onslaught where you get steal, layup, steal, layup, steal, layup. We end up winning by 28 to secure our spot in the quarterfinal. And that was crazy because even though we won 63 to 35, we were playing to the buzzer as if it was very urgent. And Tucker was incredible in in, in that game. He just kept pushing and kept getting steals and... It, it, it was a weird game, but but we stepped it up and we did what we needed to. And when you mentioned before, you said how the chance of actually winning the entire tournament was hurt, obviously, by that first game at Timberlake. It comes into play here because you're having a game where then you could take out a guy like Tucker, doesn't need to exert himself or Zay quite as much. But here you are playing to the final buzzer in a day where you already know you're playing four or five games in a day if you're making it to the yes. end. Having to fully exert yourself in game two, just as you had in game one, hurts. And in some ways more, because it was more of an up and down game. It was physically more more strenuous, and it was probably mentally more because you were playing against a clock and a scoreboard. So scenario one, if we beat Timberlake, we play Lacanda regular, probably win by 15, a casual 15, you know, give or take. We probably get a one or two seed, and we get a bye to the Sanders. Timberlake's buzzer beater goes in. We have to burn every bit of energy we have to beat Lakonda by 28. And now we have a quarterfinal game instead of a semifinal game. And that brings us to the and game. And that brings against. us to the second game against Timberlake. This is a team that you said after the first half, you felt that you were better than they come back. They obviously have the home crowd on their side. They had the momentum. What are you thinking coming to the second well, Timberlake game? Well, after they beat us in the second half and after watching them against Wani, I realized they're a very good team. They're well-coached, good shooting, they know how to, how to play. Very good defensively. I thought they'd be Wani because they were, I didn't think it was a fluke. I thought they were better defensively and more aggressive offensively. And they proved it the first few minutes against us in this quarterfinal game. They were the three seed. We were the six seed. And they jumped on us pretty good. Um, and this was a team we had seen before. So we like knew who was going to guard who. They obviously had a plan for Zay. And... We kept it within arm's reach most of the first half. Our guys were a confident bunch. And we think we trailed by as many as nine. Maybe by halftime it was five. And then the second half, I can't say enough about the core five guys. I mean, Xavier Jules was nothing short of incredible what he did physically. Tucker Press had his ups and downs during the game, but his defense and... Ball handling and had probably the biggest hand one of the game. His leadership. Grant Siegel had one of the greatest games I've seen any Baco guy have. He had about 20, 25 points. Jared Glatzer went off from three in the first half to cap, to, to keep us close and did everything we needed to defensively. Ball handling, being in the right place at the right time. Um, and Jordan Adele, who... Didn't have a great first game against Timberlake. His second half was unbelievable in this game. That's the bell. That's the bell. It's authentic experience. Yeah. So we clawed back. It was back and forth. Grant Siegel and Nadell made some huge plays down the stretch. And Grant had the biggest hoops of the game to, to put, go from down one to up one to up three. And then we got the big steal at the end. Noodle got the steal 
outletted it to Zay. Zay found Tucker running down the right side, and Tucker had the end one that essentially sealed the game. I think Grant made a free throw late or something. So we win that game by six, and then we're in the semis against Pontiac a half hour later, and that brings us to where our day kind of fell apart. And a, and a half hour later is the key point here, right? Because you're already later. And they in the gave day. us a half hour, like they were yeah. nice about it. Right, and you're already later in the day. This is you know four. Oh, uh, I think our final. I think that game was at six forty-five. And that's right, and that's six forty-five, and that's before you even still have the finals that are going to happen. After that, so the day is sort of speeding up here at the end. Yeah, we've already played those three games. Our so. big break was between the Timberlake game and the Laconda game. Right. We got like a two or three hours, which was break. still early in the day. And then once we played Laconda, it was like, okay, we're in the playoffs. Yes, it's against Timberlake in front of their whole crowd. We got out this great, this great win against this huge crowd, and we're literally on fumes. And then we got to turn around and play uh, and play our semifinal game against a well-rested Pontiac team. So this Pontiac game, on paper, Pontiac's a team that we could hang with, but after they were rested and Baco had just played two consecutive games and you don't have that much time off, it presents a really tough test. So just to paint a picture, at this point, Zay had, had cramps in, I think, the last two games. And he was able to keep coming back and playing, but it was something we were obviously monitoring and something that wasn't going to go away. Tucker came down with cramps late in that game, as did some of the Timberlake kids. People were dropping like flies. But I felt once we it's beat... a hot day, too. Yes. Once we beat Timberlake, it was almost like, I don't care who we play. We're with house money right now. Everything's going our, our way. I felt confident because I knew Zay would, 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 would ultimately be good enough I was pretty sure Tucker was going to be extremely limited, but I, but Grant had just come off the greatest game of his career. Nadell was awesome. Glatzer was awesome. But warming up for Pontiac, Grant Siegel starts to get these terrible cramps. And by the time we jumped up against Pontiac, we were literally a shell of ourselves. Our, our core five guys were all banged up. And guys were in and out all game. We had to change. I was playing guys that... Hadn't played much or at all in critical minutes. Our team, it really wasn't a fair fight. It really wasn't our, 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 our full team. At some point, maybe it was, but everybody was going about half speed. I tried to throw in a zone to kind of slow it down. We hung with Pontiac for the first few minutes. They're a very good team. They weren't going to let a abbreviated version of our team beat them. So we ended up, Going down double digits. We made a nice run in the second half. I believe it was 41-32 with about 11 minutes to go. But we just didn't have the gas in, in, in the tank. Um, I realized it, that it was kind of a missed opportunity. Today, during camp, some of the guys on the team kind of walked up to me and be like, it's kind of hit, hitting me that we could have won this. Because Pontiac ended up winning handily the next round in the finals. So... If we beat Timberlake that first game, we don't have to go all out against Laconda. We don't have to play the quarterfinals. We go into our semifinal game healthy. Who knows? But we didn't get that rebound. They made the shot. And, you know, the good news is we got a chance to kind of get correct our mistake by beating them. But I think ultimately that cost us a real chance at, at, at winning the whole thing. Right. And kind of wrapping up here, you mentioned that this is one of your all-time favorite days of Baco basketball. Sort of what was it about the day with the way they fought back, sort of the heart out there, and the way that Baco sort of was this like underdog sort of story feels like. All of it. You. All of it. I think 
I think the thing I was most proud of was the grit and determination when we had every excuse in the book, like with just the, 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 the cramps, the guys coming out of the game, the tough break with the buzzer beater, the just kind of, everything except the draw itself kind of worked against us. But we, we fought through and it was like multiple heroes. It was like Glatzer getting hot here. It was Noodle hitting his baby hooks there. It was Grant taking over the last seven minutes of the game. It was Zay proving right from the get-go that he was probably the best player in the tournament. It was Tucker having like some rough moments and then the highest of highs. And then even Salty coming in and playing good defense and grabbing boards and Chase holding his ground, doing what he did. And um, it was just a lot of like overcoming in really tough circumstances in a situation where we were like proving ourselves to people that didn't know us. And just the van ride and the guys and the camaraderie and the laughs. And it was just a really awesome day. And I could see it in the kids. They were just, they all thanked me after the game or after the day just for getting this going. But I, I mean, it, it, it was such a good display of Baco pride in like the best possible way. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, over the last few years, this current era, you mentioned 2008 was a year where Baco got really close to winning it all. But in his last few years, even though there's been some close losses and now this year you get to the semifinals, I think it's pretty clear that Baco basketball, like on like the national stage, I guess you'd say the equivalent of the national stage, like Baco, Baco can hang. This this generation of yeah, Baco basketball Yeah, it's can funny because every time we go there, I always feel like there's people being, who are these guys? Where are they? And every time we leave, heads are turning being like, wow. Like, we, we could have beaten Wani in 2018. They won it. The Kutcher's game was like an all-time Jacobs Cup classic. They lost in the finals. And then this year, we essentially ended Wani's, like, five-peat. We beat the home team twice. And we, I mean, if think if you ask the Pontiac coach who ended up winning it, like, he, he knew how good our team was. I was talking to him throughout the day. I think we could have, I, I think we, a healthy team, I think we could have had a real chance. But like a friend texted me today, it's like every time we go to Jacobs, there's always a huge what if. So, always a huge, always a, a huge one up. But it was a great day. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. All right, so I mentioned it at the top, but we're now going to be joined here by three players, each of whom were instrumental yesterday in Baco's success. We have Xavier Jules, of course, who was the star guard of the team. He was everywhere, all over the court playing, just took the tournament by storm. We have Tucker Press, who played an incredible game. We talked about it earlier today, instrumental in those wins, especially that second win against the Conda. And Salty, who was six minutes, also rotation minutes, especially when those guys went down towards the end and really kept Baco fighting in it. So guys, we're not even 24 hours since this Jacob's Cup day. How you guys all feeling? Tired. Good. Feeling good. <laughs> so feeling good. So obviously you didn't quite get it done losing in the semifinals, but we just talked to Danny before, and I think the consensus would be the same pretty much with you guys. That overall, even though it didn't, you didn't quite get it done in the end. It was a really positive day. You get those two wins. So I guess just has to start out. Like, what was the day like for you guys? I mean, it was awesome. A Five a.m. wake up. Six a.m. departure. And how are you guys like pacing yourself? Because you know you have a long day of basketball. You guys ended up playing four games yesterday. From the time you wake up at five, obviously your natural inclination is to be amped up from the start. But yeah. how do you guys kind of pace yourself through like the bus ride and you get there and there's the adrenaline, the camp, it's all new, like you're excited. How do you guys kind of pace yourself through that? I think we were all pretty exhausted, honestly, right when we rolled in. But I think we were drinking fluids and just trying to eat as good as we could. 
so we could get ready for the day. And uh, when we get there, we walked up to the Timberdome and all the camps were waiting in the gym and in the middle was like a trophy and there was like the jumbotrons and the scoreboards, the announcer, and they were like explaining like the rundown of the tournament, you know, the winners. And then there was a pool pick and Harold picked for us. Harold was pretty nervous. He was pretty, he was bugging out. It was hilarious. Harold he was, was like, looking back at us. Little. Like all the coaches were surrounding. It was just Harold there. Like he had no idea to act. And all the teams were in. Like all the teams were kind of like looking. You were faced around each other. It was, it's called the stare down at Timber in, yeah. in the Jacobs Cup. And in front is like the big cup. And uh, yeah, uh, we ended up drawing the number two. So in Jacobs Cup, uh, Timber Timber Lake always gets the first pool pick. Right. And yeah. they start in the Timberdome with all their fans. So we ended up pool, that, right? we, en- we ended up picking the second. So right away, we're in and the what Timberdome. Are you, and what are you guys thinking? You guys, like Zay, you draw Timberlake first, and there's that huge crowd. Had you guys like played in front of a crowd of that size before in anything? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we also had Brant, I would say there was three hundred. We, we we had Brant Lake like two days before to like kind of get us prepared for that because we were at Brant Lake and we were in their dome. I mean, the crowd was pretty electric there. I'm not going to lie, but that was pretty... There was about 300, 400 people there. At I mean, Jacob's Cup, right? Yeah, at Jacob's. Like, yeah. That was for game one. Um, there was like, yeah, two, 300, I mean, 400 people. And it was it was electric. That was honestly the biggest crowd I've ever seen. They had guys in face paint with drums, yeah. drumming, people chanting, tiger suits. Because it was, yeah. Timberlake Tigers, a tiger mascots. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Super loud drumming. It was crazy. And they had like the... the I mean, the, the bleachers. Like, the it, it, was, it was a sick setup. They had... Jumbotron's cameras, you could, while we were playing, we could see ourselves from every angle. Our boys actually were watching the game in this room. Yeah, right here. They were. live stream. You know they have the live stream. I know, it was packed. And apparently there was 4,000 people on the live stream at one point. So you get kind of like all this different stimulus. There's a lot going on. And then you guys come out blazing. So you get that hot start in the first game. You're up big early on in that first game. Zay, I guess I'll start with you. Like, when you go up big early against the home camp, what are you feeling at that point? Well, I'm feeling like we just gotta keep the lead, stay strong, like, do what we do best, move the ball around, run the court. Like, they're not as big, so, like, we have, like, somewhat an advantage, even though we're not as, like, a bigger team, but, like, we're bigger than them, so it's like, we had a good chance of winning by more than expected. And then you guys have this other element, which is always going to be true, obviously, at any kind of summer camp game, which is no one knows the personnel of the yeah, other teams no when you first get there. And that, of course, includes you. So sort of, how did you see, like, Zay, over the course of the day, people, like, adjust to how you were playing differently? I said that, I said that even from, even we went from, even here, before we went to Timberlake, I was like, it's going to be a huge benefit because they don't know who I am, so I could just do what I do best and get us a lead. And then they end up face guarding me, and then once they got the gist of it. That was the biggest issue. Like, first half, no one had a clue. First game, first half, no one had any clue who Zay was. So he was doing his thing, cooking, and everyone was like, oh, my God. We come out the second half. Zay actually yammed it. Yeah, he dunked, he it. dunked one. He dunked one. And then one. we come out the second half. I remember this kid, number zero. He had a little he, – he was redheaded, a buzz cut. Kid was <laughs> face guarding him full court from the start of the second half. And that's kind of when, honestly, things started to go a little bit downhill. They started to figure it out. We were, like, kind of shook because we didn't have Zay. And then the team wasn't really prepared for something like that. I mean, they figured him out. And 
that's when we kind of started to collapse that's in when game it one. It sort of starts to fall apart. So let's take it down to the to the very end of this first game. Like, we just went through it earlier on with Danny about what happens there at the end with that shot. But I guess like we, we sort of hit on those angles of the shot or like the historical element of that from a few years ago. But yeah. kind of when that goes in, the day's not over, but it, it's a huge blow. So sort of like how do you guys regroup? And you have a couple hours in between oh. games, but how does that happen? Danny mentioned that you guys sort of like were able to move past it. So like, how do you guys it was hard. work to move past? We it? were we were under the impression we were basically done. Uh, like, I want to say that's the case. No, not really. When Harold put the number two, we basically had the best pool play we can ever imagine. Yeah, we had a perfect pool. He's right. So we we figured that even though we lost, Wani would have to beat Timberlake. And then we would just have to beat Timberlake in point differential, right. which actually didn't go how we wanted it right. to until right. the end. So actually, when we right. lost, I'm gonna be honest. As a team, we were pretty discouraged. I mean, we're we, we we had that game in the bag and we let it go, and like we knew how big it would have been to win that first game at Timberlake. But I mean, then when it came down to the second game, we knew what we had to do, and that's what we were focused on. I mean, I'm sure you talked about it with Danny's yeah, yeah. situation. We went over all the situations, but kind of that second game, it's a really weird situation. Oh. You're talking about, Danny, how you're playing the opponent, but you're also playing for a score, which is, like, not the way you think about yeah. You think about a basketball game. It's very, like, two outcomes. It's you win or you lose. But then you have this other outcome. Danny mentioned you, Tucker, as having a crazy end of that second game. So sort yeah. of, like... With all you guys, what was your mentality when you're sort of playing against the clock rather than playing against the opponent there down the stretch? It was crazy. Yeah, that we were just had to do we had to do to get that point differential. We're trying to score as much as, as possible. Much as we could, we couldn't let up. Even yeah, we did. Our that, team wasn't good. Yeah, at all. I'll be honest though. Like first half, Wani actually brought like fifty guys. Yeah, they did, yeah, Wani brought no, no, no. It was it was camp look. What is Laconda. it? Laconda. They brought fans, but I mean, they bus fans yeah. to the Timberdome. I mean, so like we're playing, and all of a sudden, a bunch of fans yeah. from another camp just start walking. But it, in. it was weird because we thought we were going to be able to go up, but halftime it was 15 15, and we had to win by 24. So I'll be honest, halftime came around, and I was pretty discouraged. Our press wasn't yeah. working, and then out of nowhere, I mean, I, I, I started the game pretty hot, so I felt good going into it, but then our team just started clicking. Like we were all hitting. Uh, that was personally probably my favorite game I've ever played in. Just because of the situation, like, it was tied at half. We were playing against the clock. And the run we went on, it just, it was nothing like the feeling. Like, as a team, we were working together. It was molding. And it was just, it was, it was amazing. So, Danny, I don't think we knew, like, the amount of points we had to score until about, like, two minutes left in the game. And we realized we were up, like, two than what we had to be. So, like, I think we had to win by 24 we were up by 26. Like, we could not let them score another basket or we weren't moving on. Yeah. Which is crazy when you consider they're playing for nothing at that yeah. point. Yeah, they're just playing just to, like, knock us out. And, and meanwhile, Wani is sitting on the sidelines right. watching because they they needed us right. to... Right, you to, were the one knocking Yeah, they, we, they needed us to go under 24 points so they can move on. And I'm sure they thought it was like, oh, it's easy. When it was halftime, it was tied. They were like, we got this, we're moving on. And out of nowhere, we come and go up freaking 30 points in 20 minutes. So at that point... It was like this, yeah, 30 yeah. points. You've played two games at that point. You know, we mentioned before, I mean, Tucker and Zay, both of you were playing huge minutes and, and intense minutes, especially in that second game. You're pressing a lot. Yeah. You're playing a full-court game. You're going fast, fast. You played two games at that point. Is there any, at that point, is there fatigue starting to set in, or was it later on? Like, had, two games in, were you already starting starting to feel it? Two games in, the end of the second game, I told Danny, I was like, I'm going to catch one. I already knew I was going to catch a cramp. 
I felt it late in the second, late in the second game. I knew I was gonna catch it. I was just waiting for it to catch it. It hit him. It was both both calves at the same time. It was bad. And was, that was in the third game when you guys played yeah. uh, Timberlands. No, I think you cramped in the second, second game as well, right? Second game. No. Yeah, no, you, you cramped. You cramped in the second game. Then, then like we we're like crap. Like everyone was chugging yeah. Gatorades, bananas, yeah. all that. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure. You, you want to get into the third game? Yeah, 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 let's get into this third game against Timberwolves. I mean, that was yeah. like that, that was, was in, that was a left. We were pissed. We come out. We were pissed. We we, lost we already already played against Timberlake and their home crowd, but that game quarterfinals. I mean, the fans. It was even bigger. Five hundred. Well, well, in the first game against um, Timberlake, they hit a buzzer. And the announcer was saying different numbers, like at a at a different speed than yeah. what the board was. It was so ridiculous. It was this sketchy stuff. Yeah. But they were also videoing it the whole time, so we were obviously like, "Well, can we watch the video? Like, then then we'd know if we won or lost." And they were like, "They they basically said like no because there's no audio or like they right. they it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. We were pissed. So coming to the third game, we're obviously super yeah. pissed. And and we have all the momentum. We just right. we just went up thirty points in. Yeah. And at one half, right. which was which we had to do, it was it was unreal. And then I mean, and then and then take us through this third game. You're obviously you know you're searching for something like Zay for you in that game. Did you notice anything different that they had adjusted from the first game to the second game at that point, or did they stick with what had worked in that second half? I feel like they they stick to what worked for the most part until I got open here and there. I couldn't really do as much the third game as I did in the first game because like. They already knew who I was, yeah. and they already had a game plan figured out. What, what was yeah. big was... So I had to rely on my teammates. To, they were matching up. Well, I'll be honest. I mean, what they did in the second half carried on to the third game pretty well. They were doing a great job with, with Zay. What what was really big, I think, was Danny wrote up this play. We called it Rondegon, and it was for Zay to get open, basically. But it, what, what it really did was it cleared the middle out for Noodle, and there was a stretch where Noodle started cooking everyone in the middle. Like meanwhile, so Rondegon was probably the like a big turning point for, yeah. for the game. That that, that, play, that play, like so they they come up match up to our offense after we saw them the first time. Danny writes up this play, ends up working. We get like a probably ten points yeah, out of it, definitely. and it was huge. It was huge. Yeah. Even and, even out of that play, sorry, even out of that play, Grant had a, a oh amazing stretch out of that play. He was open on the wing a lot of times, unreal, driving to the rack. Putting us up, it was it was insane. That was the best yeah. I've ever seen Grant Siegel play in my entire life. He was going coast to coast. I mean, he scored. I mean, that so that game, if you want to start getting into the cold yeah. cramp situation. Yeah, so let's get into that. I mean, our team started dropping like flies. These guys are going to say that I got crossed. But, I mean, second half, this is like 10 minutes left in the game. We're still still neck and neck. My, my left calf cramps so badly. Like I've never felt anything like that. I was on the floor. It was a hot day. I mean, pe- right. people were. Uh, it was people, a hot day. People after the game. And by was, the way, that stadium was really. Yeah. Hot. Pe- people after the game were coming out to me like, like that was one of the gnarliest like cramps I've ever seen. Like your calf was literally like moving. Like I was so I was out for like a good five minutes, and I'm watching from the side. I see they're scoring. Next play, Grant comes, scores. They score. Grant scores. He was. He was. Uh, he put us on his back. I'm not gonna lie. Grant was unreal. And kind of what is it like for you guys to be playing in like one of the biggest games you guys have really like played in Bakos like at a stage that they rarely get to and you have that cramp. What's it like mentally to like sit on the bench and like want to come back in battle? Like what's that kind of like mental battle? I like? feel like it's just eager. You're, you're just, just waiting for your body. No, you're just for me. You're just eager to go back in because you just don't want to miss out another minute to like I don't know. You want to put as much as you can. To win that game. I mean, there's a few times that you, he had to come out the game for cramps. His calf was cramping. Yeah. 
the whole, like a lot. So he had to come in, come out, come in, come out. Like me, I was just they, they they were just like when I cramped, they came out with like a bucket of bananas, Gatorade, salty was feeding me Gatorade. I mean, we were do I was doing everything I could to like get it so my cramp would slow down so I can get back in. I ended up coming back in with like three minutes left, I think. Towards the end of the game, Zay went down with the cramp, and then at the same time, one of their guys, their best. Yeah, guys that was huge. The so they were they were uh, also dealing with. Well, injuries. not not no one was dealing with it nearly as not much as we were. Yeah. That actually was really big because Zay went down with the cramp, and so did their players. So the game didn't go, and Zay had time to like fix his. We were still even. Yeah, we were still even. I mean, it w- it was crazy. Our team was was feeling it, right. but game three. Grant Siegel. So the Grant. crowd was really loud, by the way. Like oh, there yeah. was times where we couldn't even hear each oh, other. Oh, we couldn't hear each other the whole. I, I will admit, I was Timberlake did a does a good job with their crowd. Great job, yeah. Good and chance. so you guys, you get through that game. Grant has an incredible game, but you guys are still hurting, and you didn't have a lot of time. You had mm. half hour or so in between that third game and the final game. So how do you even try to kind of recover off of that? The adrenaline's obviously surging yeah. when you have a crowd like that and the game's that intense. Like, what, what do you even do in that half hour? Even at that point, we were just like, "Yeah, it's not looking good." It's not looking good. <laughs> I mean, we had we had, salty salty walks over to us with like he's carrying like ten bananas. We have Gatorades. We're all we're all like we're all like eating as many bananas as we possibly could because apparently it's good for cramps. I mean, when we walked from the dome down to where our fourth game was, the semifinals, and I'm walking down there and I feel like. My quad's starting to cramp, and I'm like, "Oh no, this is not good. this is not going to be good." And then you get to that fourth game, yeah. and you're you're cramping during warm ups. And yeah. at that point, what, what were you guys even thinking at that point? At that point, once we once Grant cramped up during warm ups, yeah. we were like, "I don't know if we're going to be able to do." Like we put everything into it. Like we did what we could. It's like it's not a risk. It's not worth the risk to put through our body to so much pain just to like. I mean, we we, we honestly like honestly. We, we did everything we could. I mean, yeah. Grant hadn't cramped all day. Grant cramped in warm-ups during the fourth game, and it was a bad cramp. I mean, we, we did everything we could. I, I started the fourth game about a minute in, my groin and my quad at the same time cramped. Like, it literally felt like every single muscle in my body was, like, cramping. I mean, I, I tried as hard as I, I – we all did. Zay tried. I tried. Grant tried. Grant tried, but, like – at the end of the day, like your when your body tells right. you no, like you and, just... and and because of that, you sort of you know you look back and say, obviously there's a what if of like, well you know you win the first game and then you get the bye and like that there's is... a scenario where that doesn't happen or what if you don't get the cramps or what if the day wasn't as hot whatever there's a lot of what ifs but sort of with all those external factors being what they ended up being, I feel like you guys can look back and pretty confident and be like there's nothing you really could have done that would have been that different like it's right well I think that's a hundred percent true but yeah. One what thing. I could say, fact, if we were 100% like health-wise, I feel like we would have won it. That's so the, that's let, let me just say this. If if that buzzer beater in game one never happened, I think there's a very strong chance we come back with the win. And I know I know, like there was um, a few years back when the Jacobs Cup, where we went to Jacobs Cup with Emma, uh, Evan Glatzer, FEMA, didn't something similar happen? 20, in 2019, beater. it was an almost identical buzzer beater. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, Danny, with Cutchers. Danny yeah. talked we went about over that. that. Yeah. 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 I mean, what it, what it was, if we didn't if we won the first game, we would have had a bye. Right. So we wouldn't have played nearly as many games. We would have been well-rested. And I think we were I think we were better than the Pontiac team that ended up winning. And Pontiac with, was well-rested. Pon, Pontiac was well-rested. They won the whole thing by like a good 10, 20 points. And we were a better team than them. We saw them in the semis. If we were well-rested... I really think we would have won one Jacobs. Yeah. I truly do. But 
It's still an, an incredible experience for you guys. We, we, didn't think, we weren't expected to win a single game right. going in there. We walked into Jacob's Cup just wanting to put, like, Baco on the map. Yeah. And, like, by the end of the day, everyone, I would say everyone watching the game knew us. Yeah. I mean, every, I mean Timberlake was... Timberlake was loving our camp. Crowds of people watching our games. And yeah. Was the Bay crowd pulling for you? Yeah, the yeah. Yes. they were, they were, they were. But you know, because no one's ever heard of us. I mean, it's like, like three. three we were, it was a Cinderella story. Yeah. Three of three of three of the five starters were like fifty percent. So it was just everyone was pulling for us, but it just I don't think it, it wasn't going to be able to happen. It didn't quite happen. Salty was working though. I will I will say, like I really respected how you were in, in that in that semifinals. You were doing everything you could. Right, but, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you had five. You really were five deep with your best players. Yeah. At the end of the day, it couldn't it couldn't quite work. It, it was a great showing of what yeah. Baco's all about. Like, For sure, like we did everything we could. Yeah, we put it all out there. Yeah, put it all out there, and kind of like I guess this other element that's interesting to me, and this has been true for a few years with sixteens, where it feels more like a season than like. Whereas, like, normally when you're, especially when you're younger at camp, it's like, you have the 13th tournament, you have tryouts, like, a week before, and then you have practices, and then it's a tournament, and then it's over. Whereas for you guys, you guys, you know, were playing for the first week of camp, and having games, and sort of, like, how did that all sort of build up into this? And now, looking back, and you hopefully still can have more stuff down the line, too. How, sort of, like, how does it feel to have had this team come together for not just, like, one day, but it's sort of been building for a few weeks, and you can still hopefully yeah. get to continue it? I feel like our chemistry has definitely built throughout the way. I could say that. Our chemistry has definitely built through all the practices, through all the games, the ups and downs. And even winning 16 is probably boosting our confidence even more. 16 champs! 16 champs, <laughs> yeah. That was, I mean, I, I don't know if it was talked about, but we played Brant Lake up in the Superdome um, for 16s. That was, that was one of the best moments of my life when we won 16s. I mean, and I, w I was saying it on the way home from Jacobs. Like, like, like our team, I think it feels like a family. Like, I mean, the, the ride home was great. We were having a good time. Like, we weren't really too down on ourselves for losing because what we did was great. I mean, we didn't expect it. And, yeah, the team really – it really does feel like a family, honestly. Like, I love it, it, it. It's been awesome. It's, I'll never forget. I'll never forget this year back. And we're hoping to get – a night game with Brand at the end of the summer. Yeah, currently one and one and one in the series. Right. So hopefully you have one more. We need we need we need game three to decide. I mean, we've been going out with at it with this team with this Brand team for our whole entire lives. So yeah, comes down to that one, one final game. So we're looking forward to that to be like our ending end of the season. Yeah, that's why it's cool. You guys have yeah. us, but you're uh, still not done. Well, we appreciate you guys coming on. Thank it's you. A great day, Baco basketball. I mean, a huge day for Baco basketball. Even though it's yeah. not by the end, you said it's all team. On the map. Uh, all right, so we, we appreciate it. Thanks, Thank Patty. you. All right, we hope you enjoyed that all. As I said, I know we've been slacking a little bit on getting you guys episodes, but we're going to get back rolling with the podcast for the second half of summer 2022. We thank you guys for listening. It was an incredible day yesterday, and uh, hopefully we can bring you a lot more magic over the rest of the summer. Thank you guys. As always, I'm Andy Washman signing off. We will see you next time on the Live from Lake Balfour podcast.